Okay, good morning. Today we are on Psalm 139. It's written by David and it's a familiar one that talks about being known to a level and degree that we don't experience in human relationships. So I want to start off by um, thinking about uh, verses 1 through 6 and um, I thought about what does God, um, what does God's knowing of me entail? And as I listed out the things, it's like when I, when I sit down and when I rise up, so he knows what I, um, what I do. He discerns my thoughts from afar. And um, I looked up that word discern, and discern means to perceive by sight or some other sense. Um, and he's, you know, is able to do that from afar. And then it says, search out my path my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways so he searches out where i've been he knows my pattern of what gets me stuck what gets me thrilled what motivates me and what demotivates me and then um before a word is on my tongue you know it all together so he he knows everything that comes out of my mouth and as i listed out what god's knowing of me entails i thought about how my emotional reaction was actually quite mixed um, I think part of me felt comforted by the fact that God knows me to this degree, but also a part of me that felt a little bit um, uncomfortable about um, that fact. And um, I thought about why, and I think I felt uncomfortable because my, a lot of times my thoughts, the words that come out of my mouth, what I actually do, are not things that I'm proud of. Um, and I think when we look at our lives, um, our lives are actually mixed, um, are a mixture of good and lofty thoughts, words, and actions, as well as evil thoughts, words, and actions. So I think the key word here is know uh, throughout this chapter, God's intimate and deeper knowledge of us. Uh, as David reflects on that in verse 6, he says, Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It, it is high. I cannot attain it. So God has even more knowledge of David than what David knows about himself. And yet his response is, um, in the end, it's a wonderful place for him to be in. I mean, God understands that we can't uh, understand ourselves fully. And that is both wonderful and also unnerving at the same time. But then when God is the one who knows us fully, it's so that he can love us fully as well. Um, then going to verses, uh, verse 7, it says, where shall I go from your spirit or where shall I flee from your presence? And this sounds like, sounds like David wants to hide from God and yet he can't. But commentators have said that it's unlikely that David wants to flee God because he has a guilty conscience or a desire for independence. Because the overall tone of the psalm is that David is marveling at God's knowledge and it's um, uh, written and said in a positive way. And for me, I was looking at this a chunk of text from verse 7 to 12. And um, uh, basically, like I was, it, it came down to God's om, uh, omnipresence and that he's with us in all situations. He's with us in our highest of moments as well as the lowest of moments. And again, knowing that about God, I think it's a mixed feeling. I want to be, um, I want him to be with me when I feel like I'm doing well, when I feel like I have some victories under my belt against my sins, when I feel like I'm making a positive contribution to the ministry and people in my life. But when I'm not, and when I find myself in the midst of failure yet again, the fact that God is with me sometimes doesn't bring that comfort and joy. So, and then we move on to verses 13 to 16. Um, and here, uh, I think here it's talking about God's om, uh, omnipotence. 
And some of the things that are listed here is um, formed my inward parts, knitted me together in my mother's womb, made in secret, intricate, woven in the depths of the earth, unformed substance, the days that were formed for me when as yet there was none of them. So in other words, it's the fact that he created me out of nothing. Um, that gives evidence to um, God's omnipotence. And again, with this too, it's some complicated feelings because um, if this is true, that God is omnipotent and my very existence is a result of God's ultimate power and authority, then I really have absolutely no claim over my life. But how do I get to the point of David who saw God's attributes and bringing him uh, attributes and it brought him such joy? And um, I thought about that for a while and I thought, wow, you know, I think it comes when I'm feeling really weak, when I feel attacked, when I feel wronged, when I feel like there's a battle all around me. And it's in those moments that all these qualities of God be, um, are actually really precious and I'm so thankful for them. Verses uh, 17 and 18 kind of provides a kind of a big summary for uh, the earlier section and it provides kind of the right response to the vast extent of God's thoughts uh, about David. I mean, David says he can't even count all of God's thoughts more than uh, that amount of sand. And yet he's confident that God will remain with him, even though um, there's good thoughts and then there's not good thoughts about um, David and himself, what he's done. But in the end, David is so thankful uh, for God's knowledge of him. And then we go on to verse 19. It seems like it's such a sudden and abrupt shift that David is talking about um, slaying the wicked. And at first, a couple of reads, I was like, oh, what's that about? But I think this gives us a window into why um, David could say what he said in the rest of the Psalms. Um, the wicked in um, this verse, verse 19, is actually in singular form. So people think that David is most likely talking about Saul here. David is writing this psalm while being pursued by Saul. He's in a state of weakness, vulnerability, sense of a constant battle all around him. There's real evil around him, that real sense of his life being threatened, and the thought of his life being snuffed out is right there. So, that, so it's in this state that God's characteristics are such a, a, um, a source of joy for, for David. So then I thought about um, how do we get to um, this place like David where we can really rejoice in these characteristics of who God is. Um, because realistically, we don't have anyone who's out to kill us. And, um, I, but I think if we look carefully at verse 19 to 22, we can uh, recognize um, verse 19 to 22 talks about all the different enemies. And um, I think we, in our lives, can also, um, you know, come to recognize that there are actually enemies in our midst. And I thought about, um, you know, in verse 19 and 20, it talks about who are the enemies. It's those who speak against God with malicious intent. It's those who take God's name in vain, who hate God, who rise up against God. And when we think about that, I think there's plenty of enemies um, but I think many times we're just too dull to recognize um, the enemies around. And I think as um, I thought about that, I, I thought about this past MBS. Um, I was particularly struck by it when Pastor Ed started off um, mentioning that article he read um, that stated how people are losing trust in, in institutions. 
So it's anywhere from the police, uh, the government, the presidency, the church. And I thought about how true that is, that there is a loss of trust. And then I also thought about how, how wow, without trust, any society breaks down. And so it was something that I felt a sense of alarm over and how much the church needs to rise up and be that institution that people don't lose trust in, demonstrating the ability to thoroughly change by the word of God. So as I thought about that, I thought, wow, that is a huge and powerful enemy that we need to face, confront, and deal with. First, um, in my own lack of um, transformation by the word of God, and then helping others um, and the church to be a place where genuine transformation can happen so that the church doesn't become a place that people can no longer trust in. And I think for many of us in the 5-2 ministry, much of the work we're doing and how we're moving forward is because we're seeing more clearly how our society has hated uh, God through things like systemic racism. And this isn't about social reform, but I think it's about properly taking in the word world through the word of God and then recognizing the ways that God's name has not been properly honored and then having a gospel-centered response to this. So in the last two verses, the psalm ends in the same way that it started, search me and know me. And it's an invitation for God to examine myself and purge the things that hinder me from walking in the way everlasting. Because there could be sin, uh, as David says, there could be sin within him, including hidden sins. Uh, that he's blind to. So he wants God to search him and to know him, expose them. So this is an invitation for us to come humbly before God, ask God to search me and lead me in the way everlasting as our appropriate response. And my prayer is that we would see the times that we're in, recognize the enemies that are at hand, and in so doing, experience God's characteristics as something that is wonderful. Then we can reach that place like David that says, Search me, O God, know my heart, try me and know my thoughts, and see if there are any grievous way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. Amen.